0: so how are you enjoying these series they're both really good
1: I mean it's also it's also making me realize how crazy you were to think that the Celtics were going anywhere
0: Havlicek stole the pod and look who stole the nBA lottery the New Orleans pelicans another one of those situations where a team had less than ten percent chance of getting the pick, and they landed it. I think they had a 6% chance. I'm Bobby Manning. That's Alex Kungu. We're talking lottery. We're going to try to avoid packing the whole offseason into one show, but here we are sitting on the sidelines, Alex. The Celtics lost 4-1 of the Bucks. It's been a little while since we've been together here. What's been weighing on your mind most in the couple of weeks since we've seen this team play last
1: yeah, I mean, I I, I actually kind of appreciate that we didn't immediately do a reaction podcast. It's really given us time to like <laughs> no, see the whole picture. It would, been, it
0: would have been, yeah. Get out of here! Irving. Let's start over. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So it was good to kind of just see how everything unfolded. Um, the Rosier stuff on first take really weighed in on my analysis on how I viewed the team dynamics. He was for for whatever reason, he was a guy that never really got lumped into like being a problem when national media would talk about it. But I think a lot of Celtics saw from like his play, even though he mostly said the right things during the year, he definitely didn't play in a way that reflected uh, his 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 words. So and let's, that kind let's of,
0: start uh, on that Roger one. I'm going to play the sound from ESPN. He was on First Take, all the shows. Himmelsback made a joke that he was going on NFL Live that day. He was all over the network. Uh, he really is my big takeaway from this week too and it connects to everything as he goes into free agency irving goes into free agency Here, here's what he had to say i said what i said my full style of play how i play how terry Rozier play i feel like i i couldn't be that person a lot of the, the ball was in either got a Kyrie got a or gory or gory mm-hmm. hayward's hand most of the time so i feel like you know either terry Rozier was just in the corner or you know, just on event. When I when I my name first get called, I'm out there with Kyrie Irving, uh, for a little, a little bit of half of my minutes. So you know, I'm really not being my position. I'm not being Rogier because I have to adjust to how Kyrie plays. So there's Roger, basically saying within the course of a week or two, he sacrificed the most on this team. It was tough to play with Irving, and I'm right with you. I think we're both on the same page with this one, Alex. I think he was a bigger problem for this team than anyone could have thought. I mean, we look all the way back to the very beginning of the season. I was in Spain. I was listening to a lot of podcasts, and the big talk was, you know, behind the scenes, he wanted to trade, that he wanted to get out of here, that he wasn't happy on the team. The Celtics never took action on that, and that might be one of the big regrets of the season, looking back on
1: it. Yeah, for sure, and especially because just he just never – it, and it came through with all the interviews. He was just never a guy that wanted to buy into coming back off the bench. When people talked about oh these young guys they just had a, this big role they were doing this and that he was the one guy who became very clear was the one who bought into all the media stuff bought into all that and even some of the comments were weird where he said the lineups weren't the same versus practicing versus the games it's like did he think that in the games he was gonna have like his own second unit and Kyrie was only gonna play with the first unit like it just shows this kind of like lack of self awareness that. Forget the Celtics. Even if I was another team, I'd be a little worried because it's, it's, it, he had a chance to really d- dive into his role and help a team who had the talent to at least be in the NBA Finals do that. And instead, he cared about himself, cared about his minutes, cared about his role, and just put up a subpar season and then followed it up with just airing dirty laundry all out of the place. I don't know how he thought this was a good look at all.
0: Yeah, and my big thing all along was – What did you have to gain from keeping him all along besides him being that Irving insurance? Because the more things deteriorated on his side, his defensive play, his scoring, his shooting, pretty much just his commitment to the team, it looked like. What was going to be the big gain from keeping him after all of this? And now I guess he's a decent backup option with the fact that Irving could just walk away in frustration from all of this. But I don't think anyone's looking at Roger And the rest of the roster just coming back and saying that could be anything special, especially if Roger does not return to form. And uh, we can point at Keith Smith's article about if uh, Irving does depart this summer. He says, The hope is that Roger regains the magic he found as a starter in 2018. Hayward can consistently be the playmaker, shooter, scorer. He showed at times last season. Tatum and Brown readapt to bigger roles. Williams continues to grow and eventually supplants. Oh, I don't even have to read beyond that. I mean, in this scenario where Rozier comes back and he's the backup option for Irving this summer, I think this team takes the biggest step back, especially when we're mentioning Williams as the fourth point right there. Yeah, and I mean, just another thing with Rozier, like he
1: obviously had a good playoff run that run, but a lot of people gloss over the fact that he was largely inefficient and disappeared on in like every road game. So it's not like he was setting the world on fire and just giving him more minutes is going to naturally mean like, He'll be great because he's always been inconsistent, and all he was able to do in the playoffs is be inconsistent with more shot at times.
0: I will say he did almost save the Celtics in that Eastern Conference final series. I'll I'll always give him credit for that game six where he almost willed the Celtics into contention in that game while everybody else was struggling on the road. I mean, you can still give this guy a lot of credit for what he did that year and realize that that might be his only big year in this league or at least with this team and at a certain point teams and players have to move on to better situations and I think at this point the best option for both of these sides is going to be moving on here and I think what they had built two years ago is broken between these two this player and this team
1: I 100% agree with that
0: so do you expect him to it's only a two-day matching period I think that's going to be the biggest problem right here is that on July 1st he gets an offer on day one and the team's not in a position to even think about matching it. I think that's gonna be the most likely scenario. But who do you see being in on him?
1: I mean there's 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 Indiana. I don't think some of the big market teams are gonna be in on him from July first. So I don't see the Nets, Knicks, Lakers, some of the like Clippers, those teams I don't see them use seeing him as like a day one player. They're a uh, let's swing for the big fishes first and then see. I don't even see a team like Dallas, maybe like dabbling in there. It would have to be a team like Orlando or Indiana, those type of people. And even then, like I just don't think he's like I don't think he's at that level, especially with of how many free agents are there. I don't think he's at that level where you need to make this quick decision on. And I and I think a lot of teams are gonna play around and see what's going on. Like even Zach Lowe kind of mentioned that the Suns are even looking at a guy like Chris Paul to see if he becomes available. So teams are looking for like legit stars and you, I think what you'll see is after those guys kind of pick their homes then he'll be one of the first guys on that like second wave market to start getting a deal
0: do you think Durant's gonna hold up this off season the way you've seen LeBron do it in the past if we're talking about that day one
1: I, I don't think so I think Durant's been planning I think okay I'm not gonna say plan cause I don't know I'm speculating that he's been planning to go to New York for a long time based on the comments that have been going on this entire season so if that's the case, I could see a, see like a LeBron situation where he just kind of makes a decision very quick and goes off to, on July 4th on his vacation. Um, and it's either going to be Warriors or the Knicks from basically everything we've been reading all year. I don't think it's going to be a big decision thing.
0: Congratulations to New Orleans for winning the first pick
1: in the 2019 NBA Lottery.
0: All right, so you heard it there right before the break. Pelican's number one overall pick in the draft. They had a 6% chance to nail that. Memphis had a 26% chance of moving up into the top two. Alex, this lottery was everything anyone could have dreamed for it to be, except the Celtics. I came away from this, from the Celtics' perspective, feeling very down. And I know a lot of people were saying going into this that They didn't want the Grizzlies pick to convey. It's less protected next year. It's unprotected the year after that. But they move up to number two here. And with the Celtics at 14 and 20, I really don't know what they're going to be capable of doing in this draft besides packaging picks possibly and moving up. I know you could still package that Memphis pick to move up in this draft and get the best pick possible. But I I was hoping that it was all going to be this year so teams at least had clarity on what they were getting back from the Celtics if they could move up a little bit to get player they want
1: yeah I mean I actually kind of thought of it a little bit differently I thought this was actually a good day for the Celtics but I wasn't thinking about it in terms of what they could do in the draft I was thinking about in terms of the AD sweepstakes so now with the Pelicans they have the number one pick which is by all intents and purposes going to be Zion Williamson you have this generational talent in your hand now and it's kind of lessens the pressure now for a guy like David Griffin to you know, like he doesn't have to. He doesn't feel like he needs, needs, needs to keep Anthony Davis. And now, even if he trades him, he understands he already has this new generational talent, which I think kind of could tilt them over to wanting to rebuild more and pick a rebuilding package. So, from that angle, I do think that a Davis trade could become more likely from that. Also, I don't really think that. um Let's take a step back. Even if the Celtics do keep these picks. I also think that they'll still be able to get quality like players. I don't see a lot of separation from maybe pick, what, 11 to I could go down to at least like in the 20s. It's a really weird draft where it's a lot of the a lot of who's rising, who's falling is going to be in the eye of the beholder where teams are very going to have going to have varying uh, best players available. So I can see a situation where, like the Celtics, still can come away with a guy like a Cameron Johnson, with with a guy like a Keldon Johnson, um, Brandon Clark, these type of guys, where it's like you still you could still find yourself like decent wing players that can fill that can fill a role. Which granted, it's it's not the star that you want, but you know, in in the event that Kyrie does leave and maybe you don't get AD and you start kind of retooling. If you're able to kind of like bring in three first round guys who are like, you know, they're good, you know they can bring in a certain skill and kind of build that around some of your other young talent. It could be okay. And also, I think if you're the Pelicans and you're looking for an AD package, the fact that there are some quality guys with the Celtics picks can kind of weigh in favor of them. So you can get either Smarter Gordon, you get maybe Jalen, Tatum, maybe both of them, and then you get these three picks. It can completely like revitalize you. Like your rebuilding process overnight. So I, I kind do. Of I do was,
0: think they enter this draft with specific needs. Though they definitely need help at the big man position, which could, of course, be solved by Anthony Davis. But we won't know that by draft night, I'd imagine. Uh, and I think they're going to need some help at point guard. And there's there's some guys for the taking in that you know, six to ten range. That if they really identify a guy that they want or possibly think could be a trade chip, that's going to be the balance they're weighing on trade night. I think is finding a guy who both they like and they'd be willing to move and that another team would want, say the Pelicans, in that situation. I I do think they want to put themselves in the best position possible. Now, who's going to be a taker up there? I don't think the Cavaliers are moving from five. The Suns are probably going to stick at six because you get a Hunter, Culver, Garland, all three great prospects right there. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the Bulls. They move back for additional picks. I mean, the Hawks already have two picks in that range. Maybe they'd be willing to move on from one of those. I I, I do think the Celtics, in this situation, with all the picks that they have, I don't know what they're going to do with all these picks the next year or two. And maybe some roster spots will open up. But I think this is a good time to consolidate and really just hone in on one guy who you want to know. Because this is going to be a tough one for Ainge. Whether he keeps the pick here or he gets a guy that he's gonna have to move on from, this is probably his toughest draft. on, say the Terry Rozier draft, which worked in his favor, but those kind of picks in the past didn't work out for him.
1: Yeah, and I
0: mean, I I think
1: I think there's a little bit of divergence for me. I think because there's so much parity in this draft, I don't know how smart cons- consolidating picks are or like trading up. I'd actually be telling them to trade back. Like they have a pick in twentieth and the twenty second. Like if someone wants to move up and give you an asset to take the twenty-second pick, because they like somebody, like that, like those are kind of the deals that I see as more likely than moving up into the top ten. I do agree with the assessment though that they they do have needs that they can address, but I just don't know if um one guy, one specific guy is good enough than taking three bites at the apple, especially in this draft.
0: The Lakers moved up to four. And I'm sitting there like, oh, geez, here we go again. They've been imploding on the sidelines of this, but they win the lottery. They don't win the lottery, but they certainly end up in a spot seven tiers above where they slotted in as before the lottery. So now they find themselves with Ball, Ingram, Kuzma, and the fourth overall pick to you know play Ball with in the Pelicans. I see the Pelicans grab the number one pick after that, and I'm just like, Oh, good lord. I thought this could have gone in one of two ways. Suddenly the Lakers supplant the Celtics in terms of being able to give up a trade package. And then I think, all right, maybe Davis will want to stick around here with Zion arriving in New Orleans. And it doesn't seem like either of those two things are going to come to fruition. That was just my immediate reaction. Why isn't this New Orleans team willing to play ball with the Lakers? I understood it a little bit more before, but now that they have the fourth overall pick on top of this, I think LA, if they're going all in on him, could put a very competitive package out there. And I think the Celtics still are going to try to squeeze this thing out and not try to give up everything. In regards
1: to the Anthony Davis thing, I, I definitely think it's a possibility that Zion Williamson could intentionally entice him, but I don't see it as Zion Williamson, per se, enticing him as much as the number one pick. If the Pelicans are really going all in for AD, I think trading, or at least being open to trading and seeing what you can get for that, would be where you could start with. Cause I don't think any of these NBA stars actually care or respect rookies enough to think that like a rookie could change so i mean if you're the pelicans and you're looking out and you're saying like okay if you can find a top five player guy you could identify as a top five ten player and you can get that bring him in and then use that as a way to say hey davis look like we're serious now we're not asking you to buy into this unproven player in the midst of your prime we have stars now like let's go do this i think that's the smarter path to go about that
0: we're gonna dive full headfirst into offseason scenarios here they could go one of a million ways but I think the one that most people are gung-ho about is the Davis scenario because it solves an interior issue that this team has it further consolidates talent around the star player and in fact this guy would probably be your best player going into next year which would instantly make the team better and you know what Alex my perspective here today is shake this team up. I I think the worst thing they could do is just bring the same exact team back. And then, you know, an inherent way, this shakes up the team. You're either giving up Tatum or Brown, you're giving up Tatum or Smart, and then some combination of other contract bill. Now, Keith wrote, the easiest way to get to that $21 million matching mark that they can is give up Tatum, Yabusele, or Williams, and Smart. And that's going to get you to that total fastest and you keep irving brown hayward horford and davis as your starting lineup maybe baines morris other guys off the bench definitely takes a hit at your depth but in that scenario you keep brown in the other scenario you give up more players i don't think anyone's concerned about giving up the bench talent at the bottom of this but you're giving up tatum and brown you save marcus smart as say the leader the intangible guy of this team that's a tough one for me are you trying to keep Jalen Brown or are you trying to keep Marcus Smart? Because it seems clear that if you want to supersede any other offer out there, you're going to have to throw Tatum into this package.
1: And for me, I one thing I keep remembering is how glowing with David Griffin talks about Marcus Smart. And he's definitely one of those guys who understands his impact that goes beyond the stats. And if you're looking for to pair Zion Williamson with winners and guys who are proven, I think it's likely that just – Taking a step back, he'll probably want Smart and he'll probably want Tatum too. So I would I would I would assume that those are the guys. But if I had to pick like which one I'd rather keep, um, I would probably go Smart simply because he's the veteran guy, he's the older guy, he's a guy that can fit into just about any role you ask him to play. And though Jalen showed me a lot in the playoffs to an extent where like I could also see him fitting in as this, like, uh, fourth, fifth option guy as well. I just think the playmaking ability that Smart has and also kind of like the respect he's gotten, not just, you know, from, from just like the coaching staff and all that, but also like Kyrie, like, respects him and really like playing with him. So I think that's the guy you would want to keep. So I'm not, it's not likely that
0: you'll be able to keep him. He got hurt in just that dumb decision that Brad made to push him out there in a game that didn't have much. And then he eventually returned in a state where it was just way too late for him to make any impact on that Buck series. So I'm with you right there. I, I really want to keep a hold on Smart. But in the scenario where you give up Brown and Tatum, that's going to be tough for Ains to swallow. It's going to be tough for a lot of us to swallow because right now I think everybody's understandably low on Tatum. And, you know, Brown to some degree. He drastically improved over the course of the year and really looked fantastic in the playoffs. Big reason they plowed through Indiana. I thought he played incredibly for stretches in that Buck series. But Tatum, understandably, took a little bit of a step back last year. I think people have soured just a little bit on him. But you look at the dynamic of last year, and it is still so hard to tell. Was it... Irving not being able to connect with these guys and get them involved enough that they could be impactful in their roles or was it on these guys where they maybe weren't as talented as we thought or just weren't able to adjust to less shots less of a role and the success of last year got to their head it's probably a little bit of both but the fact that you can't really pinpoint why Brown and Tatum didn't soar the way we expected them to this year I think that's a dangerous thing when you're giving them up right now. But, I mean, what else are you going to do if you're trying to get Davis? Look no further than the Toronto Raptors.
1: They took a gamble on a top-five player, and look where they're at right
0: now. That's a great point. And I think people are probably a little bit regretful that the Celtics didn't take a longer look at that deal. For sure. And I think that just kind of weighs
1: into Ainge's thinking. I don't even think Ainge would... View giving up Tatum and Brown as as a tough pill for him to swallow, but I think it would just kind of show like, hey, I made these picks. These picks turn into a top five player, period. Like it just works out that way. And I think the Celtics' idea has to be, if they have a chance to get Anthony Davis, they need to give whatever they can, and then live with, and then build from there. You get the stars, and you build from there. So. As hard as it would be from a sentimental level to get over like these young players, fans obviously have that thing where we like watching our guys develop. I think looking at big picture, like rings are what really was what we really want. Being the next dynasty is what we really want, and you don't do that unless you're willing to swing big on these type of deals. So, so whatever, here, whatever it takes.
0: Here we are. We're basically looking at this situation right now and saying, all right, let's completely throw out the team that got this. Group to the Eastern Conference Finals within one game of the NBA Finals. That was Roger, that was Brown, that was Tatum. You know, Horford, to some degree, played a massive role in all of that. And we'll get to him in a little bit. But they're basically moving on from a big cast here, getting Davis in here. And then how do you round that out? Because the rest of that hangs on one Kyrie Irving. And there's no more of a divisive figure in Boston right now. Some people just want him completely out the door. Other people take a look at it and say, er, the talent's important here. He might take a look back at all of this, have some regrets himself, and want to be determined to get back here. And the Celtics certainly are going to accommodate this. I mean, by everything you hear, they want Irving back for next season, despite all that happened, despite his just horrific Buck series, where it looked to some degree like he basically threw in the towel on that series the way he was playing, especially defensively. So that's just left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. But you're either going with him or you're going with Roger. And Irving actually had a fantastic year right up until that Buck series. Roger didn't do much of anything all year to prove that he can bounce back and be an impactful force in all of this. But it's all on Irving. If he wants to go to LA and rejoin LeBron, if he wants to go to the Knicks and do that thing we've talked about all year, that's on him. And there's also no longer that sign and trade advantage with the Celtics as well he makes the same salary whether he leaves with the Celtics, sign and trade him as Keith pointed out today. So we got some stuff on Irving. Steve was down at uh, the lottery or the combine in Chicago and said the most interesting bit of information from several sources we've been able to consolidate and confirm is that teams thought to have interest in Irving as a free agent are now a great deal more wary. Based on the way things played out with the Celtics this season and Irving's role both off the court all year and on it in the playoff for in Milwaukee. Certain clubs are concerned about putting too many eggs in his basket right away. What was your reaction to that, Alex?
1: It's a smokescreen. I didn't think anything of it. I think if these guys have a chance to get Kyrie Irving, they'll sign him. Um, I do think that, obviously, like what this year did show is that maybe you don't want Kyrie as a lone star on your team. But then, even then, like I still think if that's your only avenue to get a star, and that's the guy, I don't think teams will hesitate on it. I, I think it's a whole lot of smoke
0: Do you think the money is gonna matter for him? The difference is one ninety and one forty, and we talk about that a lot. But stars in this league have, you know, passed up the money to go to a better situations. We saw with Kawhi Leonard. You know, we've seen it with a couple of guys now, especially since they instituted that Supermax. And Kemba is gonna be a big case study of it this year too. Is the money going to weigh more in guys' minds? And that's a big thing with Irving right now is the fact that he's going to get a massive contract. He'll be making over $30 million a year and eventually $40 million a year if he sticks with Boston. And that's still one thing that's going to kill me when he puts pen to paper. Is this guy who, you know, his defense comes and goes. He's had injury concerns. They're going to be locking him up into a massive contract when Hayward is already looking like a bit of a liability for them right now when it comes to contracts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, this type of stuff is hard to predict because you don't really know how that wastes the decision. But I mean, Irving's been a guy for a couple of years has been on that very team friendly rookie extension, watching his colleagues make 30 plus mil and get these big bucks. And you know, he's a guy who compares himself to some of these other great point guards like, um, John Wall, Westbrook, and he sees those guys making like 30 mil, like, maybe it is important that he also get paid like a top star. And the one thing Boston can do is provide that for him. But I think he'll also care about fit. He'll also care about culture and it'll be about Boston showing him that they can um adjust and make this the best place for him. I think, the situation in in all is going to matter than maybe just the money aspect.
0: Irving might watch to see if the Celtics can pull off this Davis thing as well because I think that's really going to change everything for him. It seems clear that he just was wildly frustrated with the youth of this team and we'll never really know, I think, how much weight you put on those young players who weren't able to step back into role positions on this team. I think it's a bigger piece of the blame pie than everyone wanted to middle along everything full on Irving at the end and understandably. So, I mean, what he did at the end was just so disgraceful in that series. And I think, you know, there is reason to be skeptical if you're the Celtics based on how he turned things at the end. I mean, you can put a good amount of consideration into what that was and how much you'd be committing to him going forward. But I do think hey, he's going to look at this situation in one way or another. The Celtics, if they get Davis, they're going to be in a much better position with or without him. I just wonder where, if he's intent on going back with LeBron, going to the Knicks, if he's not even thinking about the Celtics right now, which is certainly a possibility, where do the Celtics go, whether it's whether with acquiring Davis or without acquiring him?
1: I think you go for Davis regardless. Um, Davis is a top five player, period. And the goal is, you know, you bring him in, and his ability. Plus, you have Al, you have Gordon, and you have, you know, like whatever is left. Let's just say in this scenario, we keep uh, let's so let's say we keep Jalen in this scenario. So we keep Jalen. Maybe you maybe you resign Rozier, which I, I assume you would. and I assume he'd be much more happier to come knowing that he'd be kind of walking into a starting role. Um, you bring in some vets to round out the bench. And then you hope that, you know, with the extra year of rehab, Hayward is kind of more back to who he is. Like, he's kind of back 100%. He's not second-guessing himself or anything like that. So now you have a team that has, you know, Gordon, Jalen, Horford, Davis. And, you know, depending on your bench, depending on, like, how they come together, that's still a good team. That's a really good team. And you hope that Davis sees that. You hope that you compete deep into the playoffs on his back. And... Maybe he still wants to stay, regardless of the fact that Kyrie's not there. So I think you have to make the swing, because I think you'll never, like, you have to take risks in order to succeed in this league. And that's just a risk I think they need to take one way or another.
0: If I wanted to make a statement about this right here, I would have thrown him at the beginning of the show. But once again, Al Horford gets overlooked in all of this. Probably the most important player from the Celtics a year ago. He's been killing it every postseason for this team. And he got that Buck series off to a great start. That was the last show we did, talking about how effective he was on Giannis. And it all went downhill from there. But Al Horford, I think, I wrote about him right after the season ended. Is going to opt out of his contract and see how all of this goes. It just makes the most sense from him from a flexibility standpoint even though he is passing up on $30 million. Now, he can gain more than that in a long-term deal for the Celtics, which is probably the most likely scenario. If he stays, he'd probably get $20 million or so and then see those values decrease over time. But I think he is the most important factor in all of this because whether they get Davis and then he compliments him on the court at power forward, whether they don't get him, and they go young, and he has to stick around here to be, you know, that facilitator for the young players. I think it's going to be very important to keep him around here. And it, I I do think he has options this summer. I really do. Whether it's going to a different team like Houston or the Warriors, he could really complete a situation like that and guarantee himself a ring. But he sounds committed to Boston, saying that he'd take a little less money this year at, right after the – um you know, it's through reports after the season ended is what we heard from him on that front. But, you know, he is going to opt out of this, I'm almost certain.
1: Yeah, and I think whether he opts out or opts in, I think that he definitely wants to stay in Boston. And I also think when you're talking about the Anthony Davis deal and trying to make a statement, you're not just trying to showcase for Irving, you're showcasing for Horford too. He's a guy that's in, he's moving up into his 30s now. He knows his chances are getting limited. Um, He's been in Boston for a few years now. We haven't been able to reach the finals. I haven't able to get any further than the Hawks did. Um, He came here to win a championship, and you need to show him that that's still what you're aiming for. So I definitely agree that he's going to look and see how this thing goes. And I also think that the Anthony Davis deal is something that needs to happen because of that fact. Because if you're still here to win, you need to not, not just for Irving, you need to prove to Horford that you're here to win and get and kind of lock in his recommitment
0: as well. So that brings us to a team that's all but composed of Horford, Davis, Irving. We say either Brown or Smart in that scenario. And then another guy in the wing, Gordon Hayward's going to be here in that scenario. I mean, is that team good enough in that scenario to compete for a championship? Cause that's pretty much just going all in on a year or two, I'd suppose.
1: Well, I mean, I think, I think it all. It all just depends on how they come together and how they mesh and who you build your bench with. If I was a Celtic guy, I'd make sure I'm building my benches with uh, vets. I'm making sure if Jared Dudley wants to come down, that I have him on. If I can afford Patrick Beverly, now I'm I'm getting on my element now because I'm not a Celtic type expert, but if you can bring in guys like that, for example, like Patrick Beverly and Jared Dudley, and you kind of have this group of vets that understand their place and and can communicate that to the rest of the team and set that tone, it's be a really great team if you insist on, you know, like not building it the right way and building with guys with like separate interests that go beyond winning a championship, as we saw this year. It could turn out very badly regardless of the talent. But I do think another good thing with potentially going for the Anthony Davis deal is that it kind of like refocuses the team in one direction and it make and you can kind of build the roster in that direction.
0: I am dying to dive into all these issues further, and we will do so with some guests who will bring a little more direct insight into all of these things as well. Obviously, big, big stories going on around the league, too, that we'll take a look at as well. As the NBA keeps on rolling without the Celtics, Lakers are making headlines left and right for all the wrong reasons. Raptors stayed alive in that Bucks series. I'm very excited about Toronto. In their run, if they can keep it going, because I think Kawhi has just been the most captivating player in this postseason, more so than Giannis even. But those Bucks look like they could be the ones to finally dethrone the Warriors if they are able to play at their very best, which they've hit. They, that game two against Toronto, Alex, they looked like they were steamrolling anybody the way they did the Celtics, the way they did the Raptors. And even looks like they could pull off something like that against Golden State. It would all just be so interesting. But we'll keep following all of it, uh, Tangu, we'll talk to you very soon.
1: See you later. Pod. Pod.